Good morning, Harvest. Why don't you, uh, why don't you grab your Bibles and go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is going to be this morning. If you don't have a Bible on you this morning, there are Bibles under the seats that you can grab and use that. Um, if you don't own a Bible, take that home as our gift to you or grab your own copy of God's Word or a phone or an iPad, whatever you've got, and, and go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 as we continue in this series called Supernatural. And this morning with a sermon entitled Supernatural Gifts. Now, when I was in high school, uh, one of the... the sports our school did really well in. We didn't do well in all the sports, but one we did well in was, was rugby. And when rugby was playing, when we had a game on that day, what the team would do, we would all wear our jerseys on game day, right? And you kind of walk around school sort of feeling sort of cool, right? Like, yeah, yeah, I'm with the team. Yeah, I play rugby, right? And it, to you, it's not a big deal, but for a 135-pound, 16-year-old in high school, that was a huge deal, all right? To say, yeah, I'm on the team. Yeah, yeah. I play, I, play, I play with the team. That, that's, that's who I am. That's what, and, and here's what I love about what we're going to see this morning about your life as a Jesus follower. That as soon as you come to Christ, as soon as you become a follower of Jesus, you're given a team jersey. Now, I, I'm, I am so excited about what this morning has for us. Like, 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 it is unbelievable when you think about this idea that, that you are on Team Jesus. Like right now, like there's, there's no, hey, yeah, well, when you work yourself up a little more, hey, when you get things a little more in line. No, when you come to Christ, it's here's the jersey, welcome to the team. I'm praying this morning, what God does this morning is that it can reveal who you are, how he's made you the purpose and plan that he has for you. Because I believe this with all my heart. I believe it because God's word says it, that, that there is a meaningful, valuable, purposeful ministry of the spirit of God that, that he wants to do in you and through you. So that you can have this front row seat to see what God is accomplishing, what, what impact he's having in the lives of people. I'm telling you, that is the most exciting life you can have. That, that's the most purposeful life you can have. That's the most passionate life you can have. And it's, it's why you're created. And listen, it's why you're here this morning. It's, it's why you're not in heaven yet. Do you ever wonder that? God, what, why am I still here? Like, why, why not? I mean, heaven seems pretty awesome. Like, why am I not there yet? And I believe the reason for that is because God loves you so much, and he has things he wants to do in you and through you. So he says, not yet for you. What does that mean? That means if you're a Christian, if you're on Team Jesus, you're on the field, you're on the court, you're on the team. There, there, are, no, there are no fans in the church that are players on the team. You have a position to play. And today, what today is about is we think about what does that mean from a supernatural standpoint. It's, it's where we come prayerfully and humbly. We start asking God, God, what position do I have? Where do you want me to serve? What we're going to see from this text in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is that, that you serve on a team. The, the Christian life is not a solo sport, all right? It, it's a team sport. It's a team game. And, and, and here's the other part. Because it's a team, nobody in this room right now can claim, I've got it nailed. Like, I'm crushing it. I've got the, the whole thing done. Like, supernatural, see me. I've got it, right? We each have a part. And no one is the complete package, Alone, on our own, we are weak and unimpressive and ineffectual. But when we gather together, and we, we grow into all the spiritual maturity that God has for us. There's no such thing as independent church. 
There's no such thing as I just do this on my own, just me and Jesus, and we got this going. Like, like you can do school independently, right? Like, you can, you can stay at home, you can watch videos, you can, you can get material sent to you, and, and you, can, you can do well at school. You can study, and, and, but listen, you can't do that with church. I mean, we do online video. We, we, we put our service online, and it's good. It's good for, for people who can't engage like this, maybe for health reasons, or they're in a, a remote location where it makes it difficult to jump into community like we have here, or, or maybe it's a missionary in a foreign country, and like church has not happened for them yet, and, and they're waiting to, to see God grow a body of believers. But if, if you're thinking, hey, this church online deal, I man, that's a good gig. I stay in my PJs, have some cereal on my lap, right? I remember that pandemic, right? We, we remember what that was like, right? Listen, but listen, that is not, that is not church. It doesn't work. And here's why it doesn't work. Because you all have spiritual gifts you bring in here. And when we're on our own, just me and Jesus or me with my little family, the spiritual gifts, there's not enough of them going on there. You don't have all those spiritual gifts. We're called to this larger family called the church so that we can fit together as this body together to live more fully more mature, more effectively. It's why we gather on Sundays. It's, it's why we get together in life groups during the week. It's why our, our youth get together, our junior highs get together, our young adults on Sunday nights right here get together. Why? For this reason. Why do we do equipping studies? Why are we gathering? Because we do this together. And each one of us bringing this supernatural peace that the Spirit's given to you. So how do we do this? What, what do we bring to the table then on this team Jesus? What do we bring to the table in this body? The Bible talks about these supernatural gifts, these spiritual gifts. The definition I would give, what's, what is a spiritual gift? Is this, this spiritual ability that the Holy Spirit uses supernaturally in you to do ministry through you. It's this, this, this ability, that the, a spiritual gift, it's this ability the Holy Spirit uses supernaturally in you to do ministry through you. It's this, this unique way that God's Spirit has poured himself out in your life at the, the moment of salvation where, where you're able now to pour out God's grace for others. We saw last week when you're saved, you get the fullness of God's Spirit. That, that supernatural power of what it means to have God's Spirit in you. But he also, what we're going to see this morning is the Spirit also gives gifts. Now, they say that, keep, keep team in mind. So as we're, we're going to talk about what these spiritual gifts look like, but, but don't see this as a, ooh, what's my special ability? That, that is kind of cool, right, to see what God will be do in you and through you, but we're uniquely gifted for the mission of the gospel together. So what are these supernatural gifts? What are these? If you're taking notes, here's our first point this morning. Spiritual gifts are given by God. They're given by God. If you have your Bible open to 1 Corinthians 12, this letter written to this Corinthian church, it was a messed up church. This is not one of those churches where, where Paul would say, hey, check out this church, everybody. Do it like they do it. It was a very broken church, super jacked up, and yet they would look at themselves, and they're seeing the spiritual gifts at work in their church. And what they were saying was, in the midst of all their pride and brokenness, they're like, we are a pretty spiritual church. Look at these gifts we've got. So verse 1, Paul says this. He says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be uninformed. Now, now the word he uses there is spiritual gifts. Literally, it doesn't, it doesn't actually literally say gifts. It's, it's a Greek word that could mean spiritual gifts or spiritual people. He's saying, hey, guys, you think you know what spirituality looks like. I think you're uninformed. 
You guys don't get what true spirituality is. You're looking for the supernatural. You're missing it. You look over at verse 4. Paul uses the word spiritual gifts there. He says, there are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit in verse 4. That word there for gifts, it's, it's from the Greek word charismaton, and it, it starts with this word charis, C-H-A-R-I-S. We think charismatic, right, charis. Now, that what charis doesn't mean, it doesn't mean supernatural gift. It, it doesn't mean powerful gift. That's not what that word means. You know what that word actually means? The, mean, the word means grace. It's a grace gift. You, you don't earn this gift. This is a gift given by God. So, so you think about this Corinthian church. They're bragging about their gifts, and they're saying, look how spiritual I am. Because look at the gift I've got. Super spiritual. The, the one they most brag about, if you read 1 Corinthians, they most brag about this gift called the gift of tongues. They're like, oh, oh, <laughs> you have the gift of administration. That's how you're gifted? Administration? <laughs> nice. Gift of tongues here, super spiritual. Like that's kind of how they would roll on Sunday morning, right? And, and you see these people thinking they're such a, a big deal spiritually, but they're, they're wrecked by sin and by pride. Because how weird is it that you would take pride in a gift, a grace gift? You don't, you don't brag about something you don't earn. You don't brag about something that's just been given to you that you don't deserve. And I kind of picture it this way. It's, it's like the, the person who's been given a huge inheritance, and all of a sudden they brag about how amazing of a business person they are. Yeah, I just handle money so well. Someone gave that money to you. You can't brag about that. That's the gifts. It's all grace. It's all God's purposes. So Paul's saying, you guys want to know who's considered super spiritual, then let's talk about these grace gifts. These things that are given to you because of the abounding grace of God. So as we talk about the supernatural gifts, what should, what should our attention go towards? As we talk about being gifted supernatural, where our attention, where our praise, where our worship, it doesn't go toward the gift. It goes towards the one who gives the gift. It doesn't go towards the person who has the gift. Wow, look how gifted they are. It goes to the one who gives the gift 100% to God, you are amazing. God, in your generosity, God, you're amazing in your care for the mission of the gospel to the world. And Paul says, I don't want you to be uninformed about this. I want you to understand this. I want you to know that these grace gifts come from God. Scan down to verse 11 of chapter 12. And it says this, it says, all these, all these gifts are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. You see it again, it's God who says, I'm giving you this gift. I'm going to give you this gift. Every one of you, if you're a follower of Christ this morning, you, you can know this, that you have a gift you have at least one gift chosen by the Spirit, what gift you get, and, and I, I can't give you a gift. And there are churches where people say, come and come up to me, and man, I'll pray this gift into your life, and you'll have this gift, and I'll give you this gift. And I'll... No, 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 no one gives you a gift. It's the Spirit of God who gives you the gift. Given by God. Here's our second point this morning is this. Spiritual gifts given by God, given to every believer. Given to every believer. Look how verse 2 goes on. 
He says, you know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however, however you were led. Like, that's the way your life went. Your life went after idolatry. Your life went after things you thought would give you life. He says, therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Paul's saying, listen, if you have the Spirit of God in you, then you're going to be led by Christ. You're going to be excited about Christ. You're going to say Jesus is Lord. And it doesn't just mean that's what you say. It means that's where your heart is. You're surrendered to Jesus. Where you're like, my life is his life. My finances, they're his. My, my time, my effort, my family, my energy, my identity, my health, my, my talents, my, my future, it's all belonging to Jesus. Jesus is Lord. We saw this last week, to be filled with the Spirit means to be controlled by the Spirit, where we intentionally choose moment by moment. I'm, I'm moving away from sin. I'm moving towards Christ. I'm surrendering my life. I'm surrendering to the leading of God. And listen, this doesn't happen by us just kind of bobbing up and down on the flow of life. There's an intentionality to this. We make a decision that, that my life is going to be about the glory of God. And you place yourself then where, where God's calling you. We, we release control every day. We're, we're in God's word. We're, we're listening in prayer. We're saying, God, what have you called me to today? Jesus, you're Lord. You direct me. You lead me. Before um, starting this church, I, I worked in the outdoor world. And, and one of the things we did is we would take people um, rock climbing and rappelling, and if you've ever rappelled before, you're up on the top of a cliff, and then the, the whole game of it is you're going over the edge of the cliff. You, there's ropes attached to anchors, but you're leaning out over the cliff, and, and every person, the, the hardest part was this first part where you get to the edge, and you're like, lean back. People are like, I'd rather just kind of, maybe just, right? That's kind of how people do it, right? No, 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 no. You'll, you, you, the way you got to just lean out, just lean back, just trust the ropes, just, just, and, and, and it's so hard to do that. Here's the thing, when you're filled with the Spirit, this whole idea is this idea of where you're leaning out saying, God, I'm trusting you with my life. I'm not going to trust myself. I'm not, I can't do this on my own strength. I've got to put my hope and my trust in you. And, and here's the thing, it's not a one-time deal following Jesus. It's like every day we do this. This life we're called to. Just fully trusting in God, filled by His Spirit, this moment-by-moment -moment surrender, the leaning out over this cliff every day. Say, I choose to trust in Scripture. I choose to place my life in the hands of, of, of God, and I, I'm going to believe what he says. I'm going to believe who he is. I'm going to believe his promises, that following him is better. Following him is better than trusting in my wealth, in my identity, on myself, in my agenda. It, trusting him is better than any sin that could bring momentary pleasure. Paul says, you, you can't say Jesus is accursed and Jesus is Lord. Don't have a foot in both worlds. Don't kind of be, I'll hold on a little bit, but not. And he said, no, 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 you lean out. You, you say, Jesus, you are Lord. I'm putting my trust in who you say you are. I'm putting my trust in your promises again today. Listen, if, if we're honest in church, that is not easy to do. I mean, how many of you guys, are, that's hard to do every day. Anybody? Come on. Honesty in church, right? That's not easy, right? To say moment by moment, put my faith and trust in that way. And, and do you ever notice, though, there are some parts in your life where you're like, man, I'm crushing it here. Lean out, for sure. Then there are other parts like, mm, I don't know about this one, right? It's called sanctification. That, that's God 
working to, to grow you more and more like Jesus every day, but it's this process, this process of turning from idols, of, of putting sin to death, of leaning into the presence and the promises and the power of Jesus in your life and saying, I'm trusting you. Jesus, you're Lord. And listen, for those who have trusted Christ in that way, you have the Spirit in you, leading you, convicting you, guiding you. And in this text here, supplying these supernatural gifts. In fact, look at verse 4. It says, now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are a variety of service, but the same Lord. There are a variety of activities, but it's the same God. I love that, the, the Trinity right there, who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit to the common good. If you're a follower of Christ, you have a spiritual gift. Every single person here has at least one gift, maybe more. So, some of you may get a, a, another gift for a season where God goes, hey, I need this done, and you, you'll have this supernatural gifting for the, the season. But, but every single one in here who says, I'm a Christ follower, you've repented and given your life to Christ, every one of you is gifted, supernaturally. To do ministry like Jesus did ministry in the power of the Holy Spirit. As you lean into this gift that God's given you and you're growing in it and you're using it, you're getting to know God more. You're partnering with, with the creator of the universe. You're saying, I'm going to do this mission with you in me and through me. And you're, you're growing, you're maturing. And here, here's the, the truth of that. There is no maturing or sanctification outside of serving. It's as you serve. You're knowing Christ more. You're growing more. The text here, though, is clear. I want us to get this. If you know Jesus, you have a supernatural gift. And it says here there's a diversity of them. There's a variety of them, a variety of gifts, of services, of, of activities. We've, we've each one of us in this room has all been given different gifts. Now, why is that? Why the variety? It says in verse 7, for the common good. Like that's our third point this morning. The common good is the mission of the church. So each one of us has been given a gift by God for the mission of the church, and not all of us get the same gift. In fact, look, look at verse 29. He's asked this question, a rhetorical question, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do, do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? He's saying, he's saying, listen, not everybody has the same gift. So here's what I would say to that. Don't let anyone tell you that a particular gift means particular power. That, oh no, if you have this gift, you're really spiritually mature. It's not the case at all. Scripture says, no way. I've given a variety of gifts for the mission we have together. All of this for others. That the gift you get actually isn't for you at all. The gift you get is a gift to give away to give away. They're useless if we keep them for ourselves. If you have a gift and it's kept for yourself, listen, listen, if, if every Sunday morning I got up really early and preached to my mirror in my bathroom, it's a bit of a wasted gift, would it not be? It doesn't do anyone any good. And here's another part of that, though. If, if I can't preach like this without being supported by people who have other gifts, people with the gift of encouragement who would reach out with a, an email or a phone call, People have the gift of faith who are praying even right now that God would do amazing things this morning, that, that God's word would transform hearts. People praying for that. People have the gift of faith praying for that. 
People who serve on the worship team say, I'm gonna use my gifts to, to bring others to see Christ high and lift it up. People serving in the tech part of worship. People, people give away the gift of, of service or hospitality. So when you come in, you get a cup of coffee, you get a, a warm welcome. People who give this gift as they pray for you at the end of the service. And, and I, I kind of look at church then. We all gather together. We all bring our gift. It's like if you grew up in church, remember potlucks? We don't do them anymore, right? Remember potlucks? A, a to M bring this, and M, right? And we, we all bring a bunch of food to a potluck, and it's amazing. It is the only place. I remember as a kid where I've always talked about this. I love them. You get those little peanut butter squares with colored marshmallows in them. Oh, oh. I'm like, I gave my life to Jesus because of those, I think. Like, they are so good, right? Now, now, what if you show up, we do a church potluck, you show up, and somebody without, no one with the gift of administration helped us out, so we just show up, and everybody comes with squash. And you're like, I love squash. Really? You love it that much? <laughs> That's all there is? It would be a horrible potluck, right? A lame potluck. So, so that's where we're gathering together with these different gifts for the purpose of the common good. In fact, the Bible gives a, a whole other kind of analogy. Look at verse 12. Same idea, different analogy. It says, for just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. He's saying this, we gather together, different analogy, we're one body. Christ, the head of that body. Christ, the lead pastor of this church. And the rest of us were parts of the body, hands and feet and eyes and ears. All of us interdependent on each other. All of us needing each other. No useless gifts, no useless people here at Harvest. Now Paul, in his analogy, he does talk about there are some parts of the body that are more hidden, less exposed. Not everybody is, is on stage preaching. Not everybody is, is leading worship. But it, it doesn't mean that not all of us are needed or not all of the gifts are important. I've used this illustration before, but it fits so well. I never knew how important a big toe was until in grade five, my brother ran over me with a drive lawnmower. Now, he says it wasn't on purpose. I still don't know if that's true or not, right? And what happened was, I have the gift of grossing people out right now. It cut my big toe mostly off, hanging by a piece of skin, all right? Rubber boots, not a lot of protection. Now, here's what I learned in that moment. Well, I learned how painful that would be, right? But, but what I learned is, is doctors gave so much energy, so much time to put that toe back on. I do actually have a big toe, right? They sew it back on all the little inside stuff. All, so why, why? Because the big toe is actually pretty important for how you can walk and balance. It's difficult to walk without it. And, and so here's what I would say. Like, big toes are not very glamorous. Nobody talks about them very often. You're not exposed to, hey, check out my toes, right? We just don't do that very much, but... Maybe, maybe in the body of Christ, maybe this morning, you're like, I think I'm the big toe of harvest, right? <laughs> I mean, some jobs here, some jobs you may never see. There are people who pray, and you don't even know they're praying. Praying with people who are hurting deeply. There are life group leaders who you'll never know. They walk with a small group of people, but, but carry those burdens and care for those people. We've got our worship tech team, our sound team. You don't notice them until something goes wrong, and then we do this. <laughs> <All> right? <laughs> right? You don't, they just serve. 
People at Harvest Kids who are up there right now, you're like, oh, I didn't even, I forgot about that. Yeah, they're up there just serving our kids. People in admin who do so much to keep us on track financially and legally and administratively. So many jobs where, where you could look and say, you, you could look at the gifts of the Spirit. You say, God, why won't you give me that gift? Why can't I be like that person? Why can't I be more visible? And God says, because we need big toes, right? And God says, I love to bless big toes. I'm so unbelievably thankful for people who serve so humbly, so joyfully in ways that are so oftentimes less visible. If that's you this morning, I mean, I, I'll just say this. I mean this with all my heart. Man, you are so loved. You are so appreciated. Thank you for what you do. We need each other. Listen, you have a supernatural gift. You are needed here. Jesus says, I'll build my church. And I believe when he says, I'll build my church, I think he means each local church. Jesus is building. And so he's at work putting together the pieces of this very church, saying this is the part of the body this church needs right now. And so you've been placed here in this body with a purpose, empowered with a supernatural gift for this body. And if you're disconnected, like you kind of roll in, roll out, don't really invest, don't really get involved, you're not experiencing the fullness of the supernatural part of what church is, of Jesus' purpose, of his power and his growth. I would say this, when we do that, we unplug ourselves from the place where Jesus promised to supernaturally work. You start to think, what would church look like if everybody came in on a Sunday morning? Everyone came in to a Sunday morning just, just bubbling up with their gift. Like, man, I've, I've got a word of encouragement because God's given me a word of encouragement. Lord, who am I giving this to today? God, I've got this insight from your word, Lord, and I know you've given it to me for a purpose. So, God, who, who will you let me share this with today? God, God, who can I pray with this morning that I can grab somebody? But God, who can I serve? Who can I, who can I practically come alongside of? God, God, who needs this supernatural in me today? Like, what if we all came to church with that mentality? Because that's what it's supposed to be. That you recognize that you're a gift to this church that we do not have it all covered here. And some say, amen, you certainly don't. We don't, right? We need more teachers, more encouragers. We need more, more of those who can administrate, more of those who pray, more of those who give. Listen, we need each other to do this so that we can be a church that supernaturally cares for each other, that supernaturally sees God at work into our community with the message of God's grace. All right, quickly as we wrap up here, you're thinking, okay, I get it. I've got a gift. I've got this gift for the benefit of the others, but, but I mean, like, what are the gifts? How do I know which gift I have? Now, there are a few ways you can figure out how you're gifted, what, what God may have poured out into you. And one of them is you can use these things. They're online. You can check them out. There, there are these spiritual gift inventories or a questionnaire. You kind of go online. You kind of answer a bunch of questions. You fill it in. And, and, and they can be helpful. They really can. They can be helpful. I don't think they're the ultimate tool or the best tool. It's not a bad way to start to get your mind wrapped around what are these gifts? How do they work? Here's some great ways, though. If you want to determine, hey, God, I want to know what my gift is, I would say here's the first way. Use them. Like, try out the gifts. Like, maybe you're thinking, I think I've got the gift of administration. And so you start to, to use it, to start to administrate. And, and listen, if things fall apart and there's no structure and you're frustrated and nothing's held together, you probably don't have the gift of administration. Move to the next one, right? Okay, administrate. The next A is what? I don't know what it is. I don't have a gift of administration, right? I, like, start to figure this stuff out, right? 
There should be some supernatural results if it's a supernatural gift, amen? If you just always seem to be able to bring every conversation to the gospel where you're talking with people and, and, and non-believers just seem to be drawn to what you talk about in the gospel and you just have this, this ability where you just see people coming, you may have the gift of evangelism. Use it. Here's another way. How do I know what gift I've got? What, what are other people saying about it around you? Are, are you being affirmed in a gift? And this is where being a body together is so helpful, where you have mature brothers and sisters in your life who, who are invested enough to know you and to see you at work and, and part of this team, Jesus, where, where people are speaking and going, hey, I think this is a gift I see in you. Or maybe the other way where you think, I think I've got this gift, and someone says, I'm not sure I see that. Use your gifts. See what others are saying. Here's another way. How do I know what gift I've got? What are your passions? I'm going to go through a list of gifts really quickly this morning. And, and, and just as you're listening, what are those things that kind of light your heart up? They energize you. And I, I mentioned, you're like, man, that's me. I am so there. God, God, that is what I see you pouring out into me. And I believe that God's made us in such a way where our passions will align with our gifts in a way that's so cool. That, that, like when you hit that place, when you're using your gift, you have this area that you're passionate about and your gift aligns with it and you're in a ministry where that's being fulfilled. That is hitting the sweet spot of mission. Now, now a word about passion, though. Um, sometimes, sometimes we're called outside of where our passions lie. I mean, sometimes there's one of those things where we're like, all hands on deck, we need everybody in this, right? Well, I don't really know if I'm called to serve kids. We just need people right now, like that kind of thing, right? I don't know if that's my gift. Like, sometimes we're called outside of our passion. So, so let's not use our passions as an excuse to hide for maybe something God is calling us to step out in, into the uncomfortable a little bit, right? Where you could say, God, I'm not the greatest person for this. But there's a job that's needed here. So, so, Lord, maybe even for this season, you'd empower me for this. All right, super quickly. What are some of these gifts? Here in 1 Corinthians, verses 8 to 10, verse 28, there seems to be a list of gifts given. In Ephesians 4.11, there's another list given. And in Romans 12.6-8, we see another list of gifts given. And, and different lists, I believe, for different churches, for different situations. And it would seem to, to indicate that, that the gifts we see here, that's not an exhaustive list. It's not like Paul saying, these are the nine gifts, there are no others. Different lists in Scripture. I believe there are other gifts, maybe not even mentioned, but, but implied in Scripture. The gift of music, gift of craftsmanship, gift of hospitality. But what are the some that we see here? Some we see right from this text. When you look at verse 8, it says, For one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same one spirit, to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, another the ability to distinguish between spirits, uh, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. What are some of these gifts? Let me go through them really quickly for us. First, it talks about a gift of wisdom. I'm talking about people who, who can take God's word and apply it to people's lives so they make good and wise choices. So, so they avoid dumb mistakes. 
You'd be the kind of person that just has insight into people, insight into situations that, that maybe aren't obvious to everybody else. And, and, and you're the kind of person that makes a great coach, a great counselor. A, a, just the, you ask the right questions. You point people in the right direction. People are seeking you out for advice. You're able to take God's word especially. You take God's word and you're applying it to life situations so people make better choices. That's the gift of wisdom. The gift of knowledge, people who, people who just love to study. I mean, you love to learn. You're the ones who are in a sermon. You hear me say something. You go, man, I want to go read more about that. I just, I just love doctrine. I love theology. I love what God's word says. I want to just unpack it all the time. Just this gift of knowledge. It's a gift of faith. You're the kind of person that just dreams really big dreams. You, pay, you, you, you pray really big prayers. You attempt impossible things for Jesus. You're the person who's so optimistic and hopeful. You're the one who's saying, listen, your marriage isn't over. God can change this. Your, your kid can come home. God can change her heart. God can provide in this. He will provide. And you're, you're convinced of God's power and God's grace. You're the person who reads scripture like, yeah, God said it. Like, this is for real. This is happening today. Like, that's this gift of faith. There's a... The next few gifts here, they, they can be a bit more controversial in church. Sometimes they're called sign gifts because they, they, they have a bit more of an outward appearance of the supernatural. But here's what I want you to hear so clearly. All the gifts are supernatural. Let's not fall into the air of the Corinthian church that they lifted one gift up, especially going, this is the supernatural gift. Paul actually goes, really, it's the least of them. Why, why are you guys so fired up about that one? Listen, all the gifts are supernatural. We celebrate the gift of hospitality or evangelism as much as we would celebrate a gift of healing. Now, I don't have time to fully unpack the theology and the controversy. If, if you go to our website and you go to past sermons and you scroll down, there's a sermon called Spiritual Gifts. And in the third sermon in that series, we tackle these gifts pretty specifically. So if you want to go, hey, what is this? What's the controversy? What, what does Scripture say about these gifts? We take a lot of time in there, but they are controversial. And I think part of the controversy comes because of all the goofiness we can see in some churches or on TV, dudes in white suits saying, send me your money, I'll send you some healings, right? Like that kind of stuff kind of sets us off going, something's wrong with these. There are some who would say these are gifts for a special time in building the church, but they're not needed any longer. That, that position is called a cessationist, meaning the gifts have ceased. The position we, that I would teach here from this pulpit is not a cessationist church, that, that as elders, we believe that all the gifts are available for today. That, that would be called a continuist. But as one famous pastor has said, we, we would be continuous with a seatbelt, right? There are ways where, where um, some of these gifts have been used in, in such an unfortunate way where Jesus is not the center. Some of these gifts have been used in a way where it's distracted people from the gospel. I pray we would never be there. John Piper says it this way. I love this. As we move through these gifts, he says, I, talking about a ship, a big boat, he says, I want to have my keel deep and stable in the once-for-all biblical revelation of God. And I want to have my sails unfurled to every movement of the Spirit upon the deeps. You get that? Don't, don't lose one for the other. Don't go all goofy into gifts and forget God's word. You're unhinged, you're, you're unconnected now. But we also don't go, wow, it's all just super stuff that I needed my head up here. And God, no, we're also going, man, I want to see God move and work now, today. All right, 
I wasn't going to explain it, but I went into too much explanation. So look at really quickly. Gift of healing. That's this ability to, to call on God and, and see the sick healed by, by supernatural means for God's purpose. And now, with that gift, let me say this. It's God who does the healing, okay? The, the people who would claim, I've got a gift of healing. I heal on demand. Just come to me, and I will heal you. No, no, no. God chooses who he heals. And there are so many times where God says, I'm not healing. This whole idea of if you're a child of God, you should never be sick. You should never have any sort of illness. You, you should never need a doctor. It's not found anywhere in Scripture. I mean, the Apostle Paul, who I would say would be a guy who healed a lot of people, Paul couldn't even heal himself. I mean, how fr- you read so often, how, how frustrating would that be? Everywhere you see Paul, he's talking about, I'm sick. I'm in prison. I'm cold. His good friend and pastor he was mentoring, Timothy, had stomach problems, and Paul said, take some medicine, Timothy. Listen, it's God who decides. In the book of James, it says, if anyone is sick, that, that you would call the elders. The elders would anoint with oil this, this picture of the Holy Spirit. And it says, it says that some may be healed. It's God. But maybe you have this gift where you have a deep compassion for people who are sick and you love to pray for people suffering. You have this deep conviction that God could heal anybody. And you've seen God heal. You prayed and they were healed. You, you hear about people being healed and you're just so fired up for God to get the glory. Another gift, I mean, the gift of miracles. You just pray and you see God do supernatural acts that, that, that reveal his power where God shows up. You're like, that could never have happened without God's presence. Now, this is not something that happens a lot. They're called miracles for a reason, right? Now, maybe someone here would say, I don't think I've ever seen a miracle, ever. And I would say this, I see them all over the place. And I look around in our church, a church that's growing. Lives are being changed. Just this week, someone came into our office to talk about their marriage, a marriage that has been so difficult, that has been on the rocks, a marriage where, where, where both husband and wife have been told, you just need to leave it, you just need to go, it's over. And she came in to share how there's a love that's returned, there's a forgiveness that's happening, there's a, a marriage where both of them being healed. I mean, that's a miracle. That's a miracle. We've seen so many people give their lives to Christ to follow him. That's a miracle. A couple more gifts. Prophecy. Talks about here the gift of prophecy, that, that ability to communicate God's word in such a way that truth comes alive, where you're convincing and encouraging, where you're convicting, where you're comforting. Sometimes prophecy comes as a, as a revelation of, a, of, man, I just feel God is pressing on us for this. And sometimes it's a word for a person. Sometimes it's a word for a church. But listen, as I say that, it's not equal to this. There's a lot of prophecy that happened in the New Testament church we don't have written down. Not all of it was once for all, for all people, for all time. But maybe there's something God's laid on someone's heart that should be communicated to our church. What do we do here? It's happened. We say, hey, we're going to take it to the elders. We're going to pray over this. We're going to see what God says about this. And together we pray, God, is this for us? Is this for our church? The gift of discernment, it says discerning between spirits. It's this ability to quickly say, man, that's from the Lord, that's not from the Lord. And sometimes this gift has to do with, with truth and theology where you're so fired up about truth and you hear somebody teach and you're, you're hearing what they're saying, you go, mm, that something's off there. Sometimes this has to do with people. We just have this discernment in a, in a supernatural way where you, where you just, you see people and, and you're like, man, I just know that whether they're for the Lord or not and you're just accurate in what you're seeing. That's a supernatural gift. 
gift of tongues. Say, so listen to that sermon that I, that I preached, and, and you'll see the different interpretations of where people land on the gift of tongues. Verse 29 talks about the gift of the apostle. Not, 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 not the person, not the office, not the capital A apostle, but a, a gift of apostle. It, there, there's not this, I am an apostle, call me apostle Kai. Like, like you just don't see that happening, right? Because, because there's a criteria in scripture for what an apostle would be. One of them is you've seen the risen Christ. But there's this gift, and this would be you if, if I mean, you're, you're kind of that spiritual entrepreneur. You're a trailblazer. You, you, you like to go where things are hard and say, I think something could be created here. It's difficult, but I, I, I think we can see a new ministry start in this place. You see gifts of teaching. You just love to study the word. You love to read books. You, you love to come up with ways of communicating and illustrating what you've studied. You, you have this ability to teach God's word in a creative way where people say, man, you took something that was so high and lofty, you brought it right down to street level. I can understand what you're saying. And some of you have this gift of teaching and, and you'll use it in a larger setting like this or maybe in a, a smaller group setting or with youth or with kids or one-on-one. -on -one. Gift of teaching. The gifts of helps and service. You just love to come alongside somebody to, and, and see God accomplish great things and you're that behind the scenes. You, you don't need to be up front, but you want to do these practical things of helps and service to support what's going on. Some of you have the gift of administration. I love that gift. It's one of my favorite gifts because I really don't have it. <laughs> and you love details. You love organizing people and ministry and finances and information and communication. And things run more effectively because you're involved. Things are more efficient. You, you love charts and checklists and Microsoft Excel. Like you're like, that fires me up. Supernatural gift. Some of you, it's a gift of evangelism. You just have a unique way. You just share the gospel and people respond. You can't, you can't fly on a plane without talking to the person beside you about Jesus. That's gift of evangelism, right? And someone here in our church who is wondering if they had the gift of evangelism, they're telling story after story of people that come up to them to say, hey, hey, could you just tell me about Jesus? I think there's a gift of evangelism in that, right? Gift of mercy. And you see hurts and needs. And you so desperately say, Lord, let me be the hands and feet to take care of those needs. You hear about adopt a family, you're like, man, I want to be a part of that. You're the first person with a blanket, with a hug, with a hot chocolate. You, you can't be the kind of person who walks by a homeless guy to pretend you don't see them, right? And you see the gospel lived out in acts of mercy and love and care. One more, gift of encouragement. You just have this ability to say the right thing at the right time. You, you love firing off emails or writing cards or, or encouraging people, and, and you see things in people that others don't. You say, I want to encourage, I want to fan into flame what I see in that person. You, you see a hurt that maybe nobody else sees, and you come alongside just with that word, just that word that encourages them. And there are so many other gifts. Go through scripture. Get online. We're, we're going to put up on, on our social media just a, a chart. It's going to be coming up either later today or tomorrow with a ton of gifts fully explained. Gifts of pastor, counselor, giving, generosity. Listen, as the worship team comes up, as we end off this morning, here's the key to all of this. Knowing your gift or beginning to discover your gift, that, that's just the start of this. I mean, the real key to all of this is to use your gift. It's, it's to jump out and serve. I mean, Scripture calls us to pursue growth in the gifts. Like anything else, a gift can be weak and grow stronger as you, as you serve the Lord, as you use it, and it strengthens as you use it. But listen, the gift itself is not the goal. Love is the goal. 
So here's the, here's the application coming out of here. For sure, don't be ignorant about the gifts. It says, I would want you to be uninformed, but, but as we go out of here, that the number one application is this, that we love and serve each other out of this abundance of grace that we've experienced. Don't, don't leave here with kind of like this, this, this Enneagram adventure. I'll see what I'm like and how I fit. No, 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 no. But we go out of here with this desire, Lord, use me to humbly, sacrificially serve other people. And you do it in so many different ways. You begin to, you begin to discover, God, God, I think this is how you've created me. I'm seeing the supernatural at work. So, so love and serving is our goal. The, the gift is an avenue of how we do that, but the, the goal is to, to love and to serve. The, the energy that we expend is in serving other people, and, and God's going to reveal the gifting as we do that. And I believe this with all my heart, that God has knit and wired each one of you together in a way and knit us all together as a body so that we can care for each other more effectively. We can point each other to Jesus. We can go out from here and see our community turned upside down for the gospel. That's why we're here. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray for us, but I want to give just a, a moment of quiet, and I want to give you an opportunity to pray. Just to quiet your heart. Or, or maybe you're going to grab a person beside you. Maybe you're going to grab, uh, maybe you're here with your spouse, with your family. Maybe you're going to pray together. And here's what I want you to do. I want you even right now that you would pray, God, would you give me insight? Insight into what part of the body of this body of believers you're calling me to be. You pray, God, what do you want me to do? God, what's my part? What are my gifts? Where should I start? L listen, when we pray that prayer, I believe this all in my heart. God will, God will tell you. God's not have these gifts because, ooh, I want to hide it from you. He wants you to know what gift you've got. He'll lead you. He'll guide you. So, so right now, why don't you just take some time, and then I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to stand, and we're going to sing. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the truth of your word. <laughs> it says when we put our hope in you that we are transformed. We are changed. We are filled with your spirit supernaturally. And God, you didn't just fill us with your spirit for us and us alone, but you've gifted us with supernatural gifts to be used for each other and for the world. And so, God, I pray that even now you'd be stirring our hearts. God, that even now you'd be fanning into flame gifts to be used. God, that across this room, maybe there are gifts that have never been practiced. And, and this would be the time that this week we'd start to practice those gifts. That there'd be gifts that have maybe, maybe started to dwindle a bit. God, that this would be the week where they'd be fanned into a flame where we see supernatural things happening all around us. Lord God, that this could be the Sunday where we'd look back to and say, man, that was the Sunday where I started to serve. That was a Sunday where I saw God begin to unleash power that I've never seen before. That Christ in me and through me, I began to see stuff happening. People's lives being changed at front row to the supernatural. God, would you do that in our church? 
God, I pray that we wouldn't become a church that is just like going to the movies. We come, see a show, and we go. But God, that we would be transformed by your word to a, a, a place where, God, we love each other so well. We walk alongside of each other. We care for each other. And we're sent out of here on mission to a world that so desperately needs the good news. And God, you'll send many of us out here with practical ways to love and care. You'll send some of us out of here with, with just a, a way to unpack scripture. You'll send some of us out of here with an ability to pray. Some of us with an ability to, to organize and administrate. God, use the gifts you've assembled here as you're building this church, God, for your glory and for your purposes. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Stand with me as we sing.